remind you that the views expressed by hosts and guests of Radio Free Brooklyn do not represent the views of Radio Free Brooklyn, its staff, or management. Thank you for listening and have a dope day. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to What Would Kay Say? I am your host, Kay Edwards. How are all my blessed and highly favored people doing today? I know, it's been a long time since I've been here. It feels like forever. I feel like a stranger in the studio again. You know, you don't want me to feel like a stranger here, right? But I want to say, Happy Fourth of July, even though it's not until tomorrow, but you know, I won't be with you guys tomorrow, but welcome to the month of July. We are in the second half of our year. And have you been thinking about how you want to spend the rest of your year, how you want it to play out? 
Not that we can control what happens, because ultimately God determines everything. But do you know what you need to have done before the year is out? You know that you've been put on this journey to do A, B, C, D, fill in the blank. And so you know what you need to do and what's necessary to fulfill that calling in your life. So when I ask, have you been thinking about the rest of your year and how will it look? Some of your answers should be, yes, Kay, God has placed this on my heart and I know I have to do this to accomplish the the mission. Now, some of you might be saying, Hmm. No, I'm not planning on doing anything for the rest of the year, and I'm just chilling and see where the wind blows me. And that's all right, too, if that's where you're at. That's all right, too. Everybody needs to find themselves where they're at and then move accordingly. But if you've missed any of my previous shows, you can find them on my show page at Radio Free Brooklyn, on Spotify, Apple, and all other podcasts platforms in case you need a little refresher of how to operate in the kingdom. I'm just saying. So now I hope everyone had a blessed week and that the summer has been treating you well. My week was pretty good. I must say God is good in everything. So now a few weeks back, we were speaking about growing up in our Christian walk and what we need to do to get there. Now, I often listen to other pastors just to see what the climate is in the church, and I can tell you that God has been getting his message out. The message being that it's time for us to grow up. I heard a well-known pastor state that for years he was doing church based on performance, meaning that he he found himself saying things that the people wanted to hear or saying things that he knew would make the people come in. In other words, like we always say, air quotes, playing church. But now, and but God, I say, but now, and but God, because he is pouring out his spirit upon the earth, and all that are attuned will get it right. The Lord stated in Acts two seventeen to 21, and also in Joel two twenty eight to 32, now it shall come to pass in Come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my manservants and on my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So now with this outpouring, it's giving the church another chance to get it right, to do it correctly. Enough of the church getting stuck in their ways of traditional thinking. The church is beginning to see that if they are not picking up what God has placed in the atmosphere, that they will end up continuing to teach everything it not the way that he wanted it to go. It's time for them to truly understand what the scriptures are saying. And it makes my soul happy 
Because, you know, he's been telling us that for how long now? And God has been speaking to those who have ears to hear. Let them hear. And the hearing that I'm hearing, people, is God speaking. We just have to listen. So, today's topic, we're going to continue with listening what we hear from God. Today's topic is titled, Leveling Up. Now, to level up spiritually is to learn to speak the word of God over your life and over others. When you feel that you are aware of the power of the tongue, as we've been told in James, then you can consider yourself that you're, you have leveled up. You have leveled up in Christ when you not know only how to speak words into your life, but you know how to speak words into others' life according to what God has said. You use your words according to what has been said through his word. And we don't waste it on nonsense and gossip. Now, that's a pretty, that's a pretty substantial place to be because sometimes we could all fall subject to getting caught up in talking about things that aren't really relevant or shouldn't really be relevant in our life's journey and in following what God has said about anything going on. So to me, like I've always said, when it comes to growing up, being a mature Christian, there's only one way that I can make it plain. And the simplest way to grow up is to want to grow up. We said it before, you could be at any age and give your life to Christ. But that doesn't mean that you're going to follow everything that's written in the word. So you have to mentally want to grow up. And once you've gotten to that point that you realize, you know what, I need to stop doing all these things that I'm doing, then that's when you can say, okay, you're on that journey to maturity. So today we're going to speak about five points that could help you level up in your journey of maturity. I'm going to begin with, like I always said, reading the word. That would be feed your spirit. And you feed your spirit by reading the word. How else would your spirit get to know what God says if you don't read what God says? How else? It's not going to come over the news. It's not going to be in, do they even read, have newspapers anymore? It's not going to be in the paper. It's definitely not going to be on social media unless you're tuning into someone's church. But if you're not, if you're just thinking social media in and of itself is going to give you the word of God, you're mistaken. We spoke about only taking in milk as babies do. And now it's time for us to take the meat of the gospel. And we get that through reading. But I'm not just saying reading just for reading's sake. Like, oh, I read X amount of chapters and, you know, I feel accomplished because I read all those chapters. But when you read those chapters, did you understand what he was saying in those chapters? So before we start out reading, we should first pray and ask God to reveal to us what he's trying to say in his word. And sometimes 
it doesn't take reading several chapters. Sometimes it just takes reading two or three scriptures. Sometimes he just wants to tell you something in two or three scriptures, and then you can read the chapter to get the total understanding of the story. But sometimes one scripture will jump out at you, and that's all you need to really meditate on because that could be the message that he's trying to get across to you. Right? Sometimes some things are said in just one sentence. Sometimes it doesn't take a whole conversation to get the message. But that's how you know that you're ready to put into practice when he's talking to you, when you read that scripture, you meditate on it. And you're like, oh, okay. I- I'm trying to understand this, God. Explain it to me more. And you have to be ready to put into practice what he's telling you. Well, there's not going to be any change. So that's like somebody telling you, don't cross the street against the light, and you keep doing it, and then you get hit by a car, and you wonder how did that happen. So to hear something, to read something, and not follow it still does you no good. So the second point that we have in leveling up in maturity as a Christian is building your faith up. That's another way that you grow up. And this consists more than more reading, more this consists of more than just reading. It goes back to what I was saying previously. It consists of following, practicing, and hearing. Romans ten sixteen to 17 tells us that, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if we want to do better and be better, we have to work at it. And that means reading, putting into practice what we read and what we hear. And now when I say work at it, that's different from working for it. We don't have to work for our salvation or our blessings. We're not working for it. We're working at it. Because if you recall, Jesus already paid the price for our salvation. So we're working, our working at it is working towards growing into the person that God created us to be. And we build our faith when we believe what the word says and we live accordingly. Always looking in anticipation for the next movement of the Lord. This builds our faith up. The next point that we have that helps us grow as a Christian is controlling our thoughts. Acting with the knowledge of God and what he is saying allows us to live a positive life. That's where we get the renewing of your mind. The thoughts that you keep going over that are negative and um, keep you constantly thinking bad things about yourself That doesn't give you a positive life. If you read the word, here we go back again to reading the word, because the only way you're going to know what to say to yourself is to know what God says about you. That's the only way we're going to know. Our choices should always line up with what the word of God says about us if we want to achieve all that he has 
waiting for us. And that's the total word of God, not just what we want to pick and choose that we want to follow. And when we use discernment, it allows us to know God's perspective towards our life. And you'll also know and understand what God is saying in the universe. But I think mostly Christians find it hard to follow God because of their carnal nature. And we've said this before. That's what started off this whole thing about salvation being more than fire insurance. People have one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world. Now, we know that we all sin. And some of us would say, well, they are bigger sinner than I am. But in the eyes of God, can I tell you, one sin is just as worse as the other. So there's no such thing as that one is worse than me or they do more than me or no. One sin, a thousand sins, is all counted as the same sin as, God, as far as God is concerned. But when you know, when you know that you have a sinful nature and you acknowledge it, it helps you seek the help of the Holy Spirit to work through it because we all know what our vices are, right? Let's just be honest with ourselves. We all know what our triggers are. We all know what we're going to do before we even do it. And if we know what we're going to do before we even do it, trust and believe the Lord knows what you're going to do before you even do it. He knows every little step, every little turn, every little twist, every little excuse that you're going to come up with for why you did what you did when you did it. But we have to, growing up in maturity, have to then say, hmm, you know, maybe I need to stop this. We have to speak the words over our lives, as I said in the beginning. That's another point. Speaking the word over our lives. And when we talk to that sin that demon, that little devil, as Jesus did, we can say what it is that we need to say in our prayer, knowing that the words that we say, specifically targeting that particular sin, we could overcome it. And when you say, Oh, well, every sin is not in the Bible. Yeah, it is. Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. And that's a fact. Every sin that you can possibly imagine, it's in there. You just have to look for it. And you're only going to look for it when you're ready to change. Because if you're not ready to change, then you don't want to see it written there. Because if you, once you see it written, like Janet said in one of her songs, once you know, you cannot know. So you're not going to go looking for it unless it's something that you want to address and you want to get rid of. So it's in there. And when you find it, then you could learn how to get rid of it because when it's in there, then you're also going to see the solution of how to get rid of it or how to stop it or how to at least work towards. You're not going to stop it. Sometimes you're delivered overnight. So I can't say, no, it it can't happen overnight. It can happen overnight. I'm a testimony to that. There's, There's some things that he just took away from me, just quick, fast, and in a hurry. 
All I had to do was just pray and it was gone. But then there's some things that, yeah, I'm still working at. That no matter how much I said, oh, I did it again. How many times am I going to? And it's not him. It's me. So even when I say to myself, oh, I did it again. Yeah, you did it again. And you knew you did it. You knew when you was going to do it. So why am I surprised when I do it? Right? First step in maturity, admitting. And can I tell you something? Most people that have one foot in the world, they think that they have to give up too much to follow God and to serve God. The devil keeps telling you, you have to give up. You have to give up this. You have to give up that. But when you think about, when you think about all that Jesus did to save you from all this crap in the world, you would gladly give it up to gain the blessings from the kingdom. You would gladly give it up if you really, really thought about it. And our last point, point number five, leaving that past behind. That's another that's another walk in your level of maturity. Like I said, the enemy wants to trick you into thinking that you're missing something when you become a Christian. Well, let me tell you exactly what it is you're missing. Stress, headaches, aggravation, disappointment, depression, sadness. Now, let me be clear. Let me, let me be clear. And I got that from one of my girlfriends. She always says to me, let me be clear. <laughs> I like that. Uh, let me be clear. Not that you won't have troubles when you're in the kingdom. Because Jesus said, tribulation, tribulation is going to be in the world, but he's overcome it. And we have a helper here with us. We have the Holy Spirit. So when you come into trouble, you have the Holy Spirit who's there to assist you in navigating the situation. Sometimes it's removed, like I said, automatically. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes God wants you to work through it. He's like, no, I'm not going to just take it from you because if I take it from you, then you're going to think that everything is so easy. No, I want you to work through this because I want you to totally understand what it is that's going on. Because then once you go through it and you get to that next level, you know how to act accordingly when you get there. And sometimes, like Paul said in Romans, we're still in fleshly bodies. So although our mind wants to follow, our bodies have a mind of their own. And we have to force them into submission so that we don't fall into temptation. We are in a constant war with our flesh. And that's where the problems come in, where we sin. Because if you think about it, apart from God, we can't do anything. We need his grace every day to live. Like when Paul prayed to him, remove this thorn from me. And God said, mm, my grace is sufficient for you. Like work through that. You can work through that. And obviously Paul did. And that story is in there to remind us, you know what? If God says that his grace is sufficient for you, whatever he has you to work through, mm, you work through it. Paul did it. It's possible. You just have to be determined to want to do it. And let me tell you, in my in my research, I came across a study 
that was looking at the levels of spirituality. And it was done by the Spiritual Science Research Foundation. You can look it up if you want to look them up. The Spiritual Science Research Foundation. And this is what I want to read to you from what they documented in their uh, studies. I just took a, a little brief part of it. I didn't. Um, what I'm going to summarize here that they gave, I'm giving you the summary that they gave, and it's going to give you an understanding of what they did. But if you want to go into it in detail, you can go online and look it up. At the Research Foundation, they stated that as our spiritual level increases, our capacity to do spiritual practice, both quantitatively and quantitatively, increase. Our capacity to do more spiritual practice is likely is like growing, air quotes, spiritual muscles. The more we stretch ourselves to do spiritual practice, the more we grow our spiritual muscles. Spiritual practice really starts in the true sense at the spiritual level of 35%. By this we mean when one truly seeks spiritual growth and practices spirituality on a daily basis according to the basic principles of spirituality, One of the criteria of spiritual growth is going beyond sectarian spiritual practice. That is belonging to any one religion and taking up progressively higher and subtle spiritual practice. For example, a person previously worshiping God through the medium of his body, ritualistic worship moves on to a higher and subtle medium that is worshiping God mentally and An example of this is doing the spiritual practice of chanting of the name of God. Now, here are some of the examples um, to explain the differences between the attitude towards spiritual practice. At 20%, at a 20% spiritual level, there is very little or no spiritual practice. If a person goes to places of worship, it is merely out of force of habit or as a pastime. At 30% spiritual level, there would be a general interest in going to a place of pilgrimage or worshiping God in a real ritualistic manner. At 40% spiritual level, one would have a keen interest in obtaining spiritual knowledge and putting it into practice. They would spend a fair amount of their free time in spiritual pursuits. At 50% spiritual level, one generally goes beyond their own re- religion to pure spirituality. One's primary focus in life is to grow spiritually rather than indulging in any worldly attachments and achievements. Accordingly, the majority of their time is spent in practicing spirituality in irrespective to their life situations. That is whether they are businessmen, housewives, etc. It does not automatically follow that those at 50% spiritual level give up material or worldly life or profession. Only that the focus shifts from one of achieving worldly progress to that of achieving spiritual progress. So the person who previously cared very much about what he earned and what others thought of him would be more interested in what God thinks about him. Now, I read that to you to show you, to show you that even in the secular world, They're trying to tap into what we already know through the word. If you want to level up, you have to get closer to God. But see, they omit Christ. Hmm. The sign of a mature Christian, to me, is the acknowledgement of mistakes 
and learning to move forward, knowing that you are forgiven because of Christ. Listen, the only way that we can combat the enemy and grow in maturity is with the word of God. Nothing that we say in our own words have power. Our power comes when we speak the word through the power given to us through Christ. All of our power comes from the one that resides in us, being the Holy Spirit, and the one who died for us. Jesus Christ. Revelation 3.22. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And with that, I think it's time for us to take a music break. You have been listening to What Would Kay Say? Here on Radio Free Brooklyn. What Brooklyn Sounds Like. What am I going to play? I think we took in a lot there. We need some music to calm ourselves. But you see how when they do things in the secular world, how they they put it in the same way that we would understand it, but yet they're leaving out Christ in the middle of it. And we know that it is he who gives us all understanding of everything. Here, let's try this on for music.
See on the hill of Calvary, my Savior bled for me. My Jesus set me free. And look at the wounds that give me life, grace flowing from inside. No greater sacrifice. What is done? Sins are forgiven. My future is heaven. I praise God for what He's done. Sing for the freedom He has won. Even death is dead and done. His life has overcome. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. You are listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn. It is now time for the part of the show that I call Op-Ed. Now, I'd like to start off Op-Ed on a lighter note because there's some heavy stuff that I'm going to get into, but I'm going to start it off on a lighter note. And we're going to talk about, I saw in the news that New York City schools is throwing away 
school supplies. What's up with that? At the end of the school year, schools, I guess because they're cleaning up to clean the building up for, I don't know, what takes place in the school during the summer. They have summer school, don't they? Don't the kids use books and, and crayons and stuff during summer school? Anyway, dozens of schools in New York City throw away unused books, unused school supplies like pens, pencils, markers, uh, crayons. They throw them away. Why? Why are we throwing these things away? Why can't they just be put in a storage closet to be used for the following year? I don't understand. And then every September, you're sending the kid home with a laundry list of supplies that they need to buy, but you just threw away a whole handful of stuff three months ago. If this is what's really going on, and this is not just a one-off that this school just happened to do it, please, New York City schools, please stop doing that. Teachers, please stop doing that. And as much as teachers always talk about, we got to come out of our own pockets and buy Well, you wouldn't have to if you took some of the stuff that was left over and put it in a closet. Just put it away. If the book is not used, use it. And what what they're saying, I don't know what they're saying is the the reason behind it. It can't be because, oh, because of COVID. You can't say that you're not going to use a notebook because of COVID. Because you want to know something? That notebook that was on that desk in that school that was supposedly cleaned repeatedly every night after the kids left is not going to be any dirtier than the book you're going to take off the shelf in Staples come September. If COVID is in the school, COVID is in Staples too. I mean, it's a notebook. I mean, it's a notebook. It's paper. I don't understand. I'm not saying that they're saying it's because of COVID. I'm just saying out of the top of my head, is that the reason? I don't know. But whatever the reason is, stop throwing away the stuff that kids can be using come September. Stop throwing it away. I remember when we used to get crayons for the start of school. Yeah, everybody always wants a brand new pack of crayons. I'm not going to lie. I love the brand new pack of crayons every time we started school. But you know what? The crayons that weren't brand new, they still colored. You could still get sky blue out of a half a crayon as you can get out of a crayon with a nice point on it. But I don't want to go to that. But yes, stop throwing away the school supplies so the kids can use it because there are some kids who don't know about a brand new pack of crayons and they're just happy to get their hands on a crayon. Yeah, it's hard to believe, but in this day and age, yeah, it's still like that for some people. So moving right along, and that was my lighter side of the op-ed. Now let's get into the real meat of this of the op-ed. What's this I hear about Clarence Thomas? That there's an uproar to impeach him from being on the Supreme Court? I don't know. I'm wondering if is that a thing? I have to look that up. I didn't really look in depth into is that a possibility? I didn't think you could get rid of them after they were sitting on there for the rest of their life. But there's a thing on move on dot. Org, they did a poll and all the people are responding. They got over 900,000 signatures for people screaming, impeach 
Clarence Thomas. I'm going to tell you the reason why they're saying it. I'm sure you already know, but I'm going to tell you why MoveOn.org says they're saying it. They want the Supreme Court justice to be impeached due to his siding with the right to overturn Roe versus Wade. And as, as if that weren't enough, he made it very clear that he will side with the court when it comes to overturning gay rights and contraceptive rights. So, if they were to come up for a ruling, he's saying, if it comes up with a ruling like Roe versus Wade, he's going to overturn gay rights and he's going to overturn contraceptive contraception rights. Now, the petition cites that there might be a potential conflict of interest between the recent ruling of Thomas's. Uh, there was a ruling. There was a okay. Let me start all over. Let me start all over so I could get this out straight. The whole also, the move on dot org. Uh, story also stated that people feel that there's a conflict of interest because Thomas had to rule on the January 6th overturning of the 2020, 2020 presidential, uh, presidential election, which we all know his wife, Jenny, is accused of supporting. So they say recently, Justice Clarice, Clarence Thomas voted against a Supreme Court decision to compel the release of Donald Trump's records regarding the January 6th insurrection and attempt to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election. The petition reads, it has become clear that his wife, Longtime conservative Ginny Thomas was actively urging the White House to overturn election results, both leading up to January 6th and after the deadly insurrection. The petition states that Thomas, Thomas's failure to recuse himself warrants immediate invest, investigation and heightened alarm. He has shown he cannot be an impartial justice and is more concerned with covering up his wife's coup attempts than the health of the Supreme Court, it alleges. He must resign or Congress must immediately investigate and impeach. Now, I was wondering what the, when this was going to really become a talking point. But remember when it was first exposed that she had a dealing in it, then that was, oh, yeah, let me think. Oh, that's when the email about Roe versus Wade being overturned was leaked. Hmm. wonder who leaked that. To deflect. And although they did overturn Roe versus Wade, and they knew that they were going to do it, but they figured, ah, oh, let's get the people up in the uproar. We get them on Roe versus Wade. They'll forget all about the insurrection and the fact that my wife was running down with the Molotov cocktail saying, you better overturn that 2020 presidential election. 
But of course, as the dust settles, and when the dust settles, you always still get to see what's going on in the lay of the land. And here we go again. They're now saying, mm-hmm, no, 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 no. You voted against that investigation. You voted against getting all that information. Oh, why is it that you voted against that? Could it be because your wife is all up in those pages? Hmm. Listen, people. Now I'm going back to the Spiritual Research Foundation. This is what they say about the state of the world. The state of the world is primarily due to the reason that both the people and their leaders are predominantly at a lower spiritual level. It follows that the current state of the world can only be corrected if the average spiritual level of mankind increases. And this can only change if people undertake spiritual practice on a regular basis. Now, that's according to the Spiritual Research Foundation. My words, until America confesses and turns from its wicked, dirty deeds, we are always going to have a number of issues to address. Mass shootings, inflation, recessions, insurrections, flooding in Yellowstone, fake news, lies and manipulation going on within our government and within our borders. We're sitting on a powder keg and the fuse has been lit, right? But those of us who know the Lord, we need to be preparing. Because as time grows short, it'll be more about hearing what God has to say on how to navigate through all this negativity. Like, for example, when he put them the plagues on Egypt, when Pharaoh didn't want to let the people go, and he was sending out the death angel, and he told everybody that believed what he was saying, mark your doorposts with the blood. We're not going to be marking our doorposts with blood, and I don't want to sound all doom and gloom, but truth is truth. Because at the end of the day, the death angel has been given his assignment. That's the end of op-ed. So I want to say congratulations to all those who were receiving the 2020 Presidential Medal of Freedom. Just to name a few, it's going to be Denzel Washington, Simone Biles, Steve Jobs. I guess Biden is giving out these medals. Nice. Congratulations, everyone. The word of the month for July is preparation. The action or process of making ready or being made ready for use or consideration. So that's our word for this month, preparation. And our promise for this week comes from Malachi 3.1. Behold, I send my messengers and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. And with that, I say I want everyone to stay safe this weekend. Whatever you're planning to do, 
for the rest of this 4th of July holiday. Do it with fun. Do it with caution because COVID is still out there. Wear your mask, wash your hands, social distance. And now with everything else rising up, monkeypox, there's this monkeypox. I think I'm going to talk about that more in depth. depth, In depth. My tongue is getting tied. It's time for me to get off the air. (laughs) Um, In depth next week. I'm going to look into that and find out exactly what it is because I keep hearing about this monkeypox, monkeypox. And I want to find out more about what it is so I can let, you know, you guys know what's really happening because, you know, we, we get stories. We don't get stories. Either if you catch the story, you get it. But if you didn't catch the story, you never get it. So I'm going to look into it and I'm going to talk about it next week in op-ed. But it just goes overall to say, be safe. Know what you're doing. Know who you're doing it with. That's always been the case. You should always know who you're doing what with. And don't let your guard down. But I'm not saying walk around being so, oh, don't talk to me, don't come near me. No. But be aware. Don't just be blown and tossed like leaves and paper, whichever way the wind blows. No. Know where you're going. Know a direction. Have a purpose. Even in, even if it's not God-given, but have some sort of purpose. So at least you know Even in whatever you're doing, you can try and stay safe. And with that, I say, guys, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your 4th of July. It looks like it's going to be a hot one. So we might be able to, those of you who like to go to the beach, you'll be able to go to the beach. That'll be good for you. Enjoy your family. If you're going to do that, be careful with the fireworks for sure. The fireworks are the one thing you have to be careful of. Now, I'm a girl. I love fireworks. I love them when they burst in the sky. I love Macy's fireworks. I love when Coney Island did fireworks. Anybody that does the gigantic fireworks where they burst in the sky and they just explode in all the colors and stars and they come sprinkling down. I love those. These things that they be doing in the street, like Chinese New Year, mm-mm, mm-mm. they can save that. I don't want to see that. I don't want to hear that. I don't even want to be around that. But, you know, people do what they want to do. But enjoy your fireworks. Be careful. Be safe. And until God brings us together again next week, peace.
Everybody say Hallelujah.